Yes, yes, my healthcare crew, thank you for joining me today again for another episode of the NHS 100K podcast with me, Matt Taylor. We had Vicky on today, who has been the who is the first person to have been awarded um, a payout from the government payout scheme with regards to VIT injuries. She talks about her journey, where she's going, how she started, and why she started Vib UK vaccine induced bereavement, um, where she's going. Um, and a couple of other bits and pieces thrown in between. It's only a short one today, just under an hour, so you'll be happy to know that one. But uh, lovely girl, really admire her, what she's doing, and um, no doubt, hopefully, we can get these um, organisations, campaign groups, to start working together more in the future um, to hopefully build new parliament. Just kidding, just kidding. Listen, enjoy the show. Thanks very much for your support, as always. I uh, really do appreciate everything that you guys have been doing. Positive comments on YouTube have been great makes me feel like this is all worthwhile and I'm doing a relatively decent job. All right, you take care, be safe, and I'll see you guys on the flip side. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and all that jazz. How you doing, my healthcare crew? It's uh, Matt Taylor again, back with another episode of the NHS 100K podcast. So, busy, busy week, uh, straight off the back of Alex's um, podcast, which has been good, good feedback. So, um, We've got Vicky with us today. Uh, I'm not going to say too much about her because I like the guests to talk, but she's shoehorned herself into my diary um, because she wanted to get on and 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 have her say, which I really think is a good idea off the back of Alex's um, uh, interview the other week as well. So I'm going to bounce it over to you. Hello, Vicky. Welcome to the Hi. show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. Appreciate good, it. good, good. Well, like I say to all my guests, we'll see if you're this keen at the end of the show. All right. But, uh, but don't worry. It's, 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 it's going to be fine. So... Straight off the bat then, tell everybody why you're here today and then take us through your journey and, and, and everything else, all right? Okay. Well, in 2021, my partner of 21 years, Zeon, got the AstraZeneca vaccine on the 5th of May. On the 8th of May, he developed really bad headaches and other symptoms on the uh, 10th. No, so that was the 8th of May was the Thursday. And the following Saturday, I called an ambulance for him because his headache was so bad and his face was puffy and he wasn't getting out of bed. And I was that concerned I called an ambulance. This is the first time in 21 years I've ever called an ambulance for him. Paramedics came and we said he had the AstraZeneca vaccine 10 days ago. And they said, well, it wouldn't be that because that was too long ago. So um, any side effects would be within the first four to seven days. So it's not that. And they were adamant it wasn't that. Told us he was having a migraine. He's never had a migraine in his life and nor have I. So we don't really know how to judge it. And we told them he's never had a migraine. And also I was kind of confused because he was sitting in a very bright room at the time. And from what I know of migraines, you're very light sensitive yep. and sound sensitive. And he wasn't. His head was pounding, but it wasn't light and sound sensitive. And they said, no, well, yeah, have you been under stress? Well, yeah, the entire planet has been under stress for the last year and a half. Uh, well, that can trigger migraines. Hydrate, take painkillers. So um, that's what we did. And on the Monday, it's, it was still carrying on. Um, he hadn't, he couldn't sleep. All it got worse during the night, which we now know is because when you're lying down, the blood pools more with the, um, so it creates more pressure. And uh, so on the Monday, he didn't get out of bed till about two thirty in the afternoon because he was just trying to sleep. And I just let him because I knew he hadn't slept for days. And when he did get up, his he was slurring, and. I called an ambulance again, and by the time this ambulance arrived, he was not able to talk. He'd had a seizure, and he was starting to just be confused and not understand what was going on around him. And they took him to hospital. I couldn't go with him because of the COVID protocols, um, which is a bit of a pain in the ass, um, because we live in the middle of nowhere and I don't drive, and the nearest hospital is like 25 miles away. Jesus Christ, sorry. Um, and... Uh, so I sat by the phone, still believing it was a migraine at this point. And eventually I got a call from the hospital saying they'd done a scan and um, had discovered a bleed on his brain. He was being transferred to the RVI in Newcastle. So I'm thinking he's had a stroke. And I'm thinking, you can recover from a stroke. So I'm Googling, like, what do I need to do? How do I prepare for him coming home if he's had a stroke? How bad might it be? That kind of thing. And then at 4.30 in the morning, I got a few more calls from the hospital saying, that, you know, he's arrived at the RVI and they're doing this or doing that. They're taking him for surgery. And at 4.30 in the morning, I got a call from the surgeon who operated on him to say 
that she had had to remove a large piece of his skull. There was massive bleeding on his brain. She believed it was due to the AstraZeneca vaccine and she didn't think he would ever wake up again. And she was right. Um, I got my friends to give me a lift to the hospital. I arrived there about 6.30 in the morning and I stayed with him until he was declared on the 19th of May. Um, he never woke up. And, you know, the really, one of the really tragic things is because we followed the guidelines, you know, that not socialising, not visiting family and that he didn't see his family for a year and a half before this happened because of this. And the last time his, his parents and his brother came up, my mum came up to be with us. And so the last time they saw him was when he was in the hospital. So. And he was dying. Um, so um, since then... Um, Obviously, I uh, suffered all kinds of mental, emotional problems myself. And not to mention just the effect on my day-to-day -day life. Um, like I said, I don't drive in the middle of nowhere. My family lives all down south. Okay, I've got some amazing friends and fam like friends, family down south. I've got some amazing friends up here who've really helped me and looked after me. And um, so a few weeks after Z died, I became aware they were talking about giving the vaccines to 18 year olds and that really worried me because I was thinking if you're 18 you go out drinking or you get the vaccine on a Monday you go out drinking on a Friday you're hungover on a Saturday or you've got a headache on a Saturday you're just going to think it's a hangover you're not going to necessarily think it's anything more dangerous because we weren't aware of the vaccine induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia you know they were keeping that really quiet any sort of mention of it was met with oh no that's not real that's just conspiracy you know it was not in the mainstream at all and it wasn't added to the side effects on the um astrazeneca patient sheet until june um so like a month later although they'd known about it since well the start of the year really but they just hadn't told anyone um which is horrific and it seems like a really screwed up thing to do so I, I contacted uh, the media to talk about it because I was so concerned about people like suffering this and not knowing what it was and dying unnecessarily or being you know told it was a migraine like me and Z were. And um, at the time, I still believed it was like a one in a million chance. I believed it was really rare. Um, I now know it's one in a hundred thousand chance, um, and I think a one in ten thousand chance of GBS as well, which is infuriating because I wouldn't get on an aeroplane with those odds and they were just shooting shooting us up with these vaccines and not giving us informed consent um so but I know that now I didn't know it then I know a lot more things now than I knew a year ago which have really left me extremely cynical angry and bitter um so yes um so I did the media it was edited down to nothing most of it all of it and followed by an expert following someone who's died from the vaccine an expert will come on and explain how the vaccines are actually completely safe it was just infuriating it really was and then um so i applied for the vdps the vaccine damage payment scheme which i'm sure you know is a flat rate of 120,000 pounds if you can prove 60 percent uh disablement or death and it has to be causation has to be the vaccine and it can be proven it's z had i got a preliminary death certificate for z and so that was over a year they had the Willis information. They had his, well, they didn't actually apply for his medical records until March this year. I put in the claim in June last year. So over a year later, they applied, you know, they approved my claim. I'm, I was the first in the UK to have their claim approved, possibly because I'm quite belligerent and annoying and hassled them a lot. Um, the fact of the matter is, though, £120,000 sounds like a lot of money. And it is. It's a massive amount of money. If you just randomly get £120,000, it's like, can I? But if you've lost more than half your income, your your entire future, you know, your life has completely been turned upside down. You're left there going, I don't know what to do with myself. How how do I deal with this? I've got funeral expenses. I haven't been able to work for the last year. Um, I've got to learn to drive. It doesn't go very far at all. And you've got to think about people as well who've been injured. Like there's a lady called Kerry who was in hospital for, I think, seven months or I might be getting that wrong. I'm getting all the people confused. I know it was someone who was in hospital for seven months. Someone was in hospital for 14 months. Other people have been in hospital for massive lengths of time. But Kerry finally got to go home, still with a piece of her skull missing. Now her husband is her carer. They have had to convert their home so she can 
move around it with her disability because she still doesn't have full use of her body and she still has part of her skull missing. And I don't know how much she will recover more, if at all. But she can't work. Her husband can't work. How far does £120,000 go for them? It doesn't go anywhere. It covers like maybe a year after you take into consideration like redoing the home. And the, the government's answer to that is, well, there are means-tested benefits available if you can no longer work. She was a banker. She, you know, she, she had a good income. And, and the other thing that really pisses me off is people like her, they have to burn through all their savings, which they've like, yeah, been saving us money so they can have a nice retirement, you know, enjoy it at the end of their lives. And no, they've just got to use it to survive on now. And then they have to go on means-tested benefits, which is not going to be anything like what they've worked for. And it's so unfair. So I really think they need to bring the VDPS payment up to scratch. I mean, it hasn't been increased since 2007. If it had gone up with inflation, be looking at least £180,000, which is still, it's not enough for a life, and it's not enough for caring for someone for the rest of their life, but it's a big improvement. And obviously the other thing with the vaccine damage payment scheme is that supposedly it's a one-off ex-gratia payment, um, which enables you to still litigate against vaccine companies. But obviously um, the government has granted the vaccine manufacturers indemnity, so we can't litigate against them. So we're just left going, well, what do we do here? What about the people who gave the jab to 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 them? Would they end up being liable? Now, I've heard that there's a... <clears throat> so uh, a colleague that I spoke to a little while ago was saying about this. Once the government payout scheme dries up, then they, eventually there'll be, there'll be no funds left to pay out. So then the government will, will direct people to go after potentially the drug manufacturers, pharmaceutical companies, mm-hmm. say, but they've obviously got no liability. Mm-hmm. So then they'll pass it down to the doctors that prescribed it or potentially the people that actually gave the injection because it's mm-hmm. for them to give informed consent so then you're going to be going after people personally then um, Jesus that's all. Right. so i hadn't so, heard that that's terrible well i don't know if it's true but but so i work i work at the minute i work in healthcare myself anyway and mm-hmm. i know that when I, whenever i have to do a procedure to a patient if i give a drug it's my job to check it check it's in day and all that even if yeah. someone else has prescribed the, the, the drug on a piece of paper mm-hmm. it's my job to check the vial check it's in day and everything else and give it correctly yeah my mum's a phlebotomist so she right. has to get all the consent and all the information accurately so exactly. yeah and, yeah and like, i think majority of people who were given these vaccines were given the sheets after the vaccine which you can't go oh i don't want it can you take it out of my arm please <laughs> well this is the thing and if they're not able to answer any of the questions that people had or even people holding signs saying they can test to it. That's not yeah. that's not informed consent. That's not someone not wanting to do it. So they not should have not. So okay. So you said at the beginning, obviously that the, the surgeon said that it was because of the the AstraZeneca jab. Then mm-hmm. what was it? He or she, the surgeon? What can what what, what is this? It was a what? Sorry. G. Yeah. Yeah. So what did um, what gave them that inclination? Did you tell them or did they come out and tell you that without you having to provoke an answer like that from them? She told me without me having to provoke an answer. Really? And I've seen, yeah, she's, because I was basically screaming down the phone at the point she was telling me that, he, you know, he wouldn't wake, she didn't think he was going to wake up and she believed it was the result of the AstraZeneca vaccine. I was not in position to sort of ask very much at that no, point. Well, just the thing, yeah, 100% understand yeah, that. No, she said it unprompted. She just told me on the phone then and there. Um, you think she'd seen more than one case? Well, I know for a fact they had because Lisa Shaw, I found out later, was in the same ward as Z at the same time and died two days later. Right. Crikey. All right. This is the thing now. They're getting to the... So we've all... Those of us that have kind of been in in, in the know (laughs) before this sort of coming out shouting about it and things um, have said that... um, there's going to be a time when it kind of spills out into 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 mainstream and you can't keep hiding it and sweeping it under the carpet. And I think we're kind of getting to that point now, which mm. is why there's been a sudden uptake in people wanting to show awareness of it, even though it's been going on since last year and you guys have been waiting for forever. Um, so before before you went, you both went and had the jab. I, sat, I, take I didn't it, have it. Oh, so you've not had it. So. No, I was due to have it. But right. when I was in it, my appointment was when I was sitting by my dying fiance in hospital, so I never got around to it. Right. Was that just pure coincidence then? Were you both supposed to you had you both agreed to get it or have you all yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. you know, we were we weren't at risk. Well, we didn't think we were at risk. And I've had since had COVID and you know, it was not nice, but I'm fine. Mm. Um 
and uh, but we were under the impression that it would prevent us giving it to other people. You know, Z's mum is quite elderly. You know, uh, we've got our friends who are older. Uh, Z used to deal with antiques, so we were hoping once world opened up again and we could get back to antique shows and that he didn't want to risk because there's a lot of older people at antique shows he didn't want to make them sick and also because we were due to get married when, in 2020 after a very long time i know but we were finally meant to get married and we wanted to have a honeymoon and we were under the impression we didn't get vaccinated we couldn't go anywhere obviously yeah, now that's all like it's out of freaking window isn't it do it how you like vaccine back not vaccinated doesn't matter do what you like i mean it, it makes what you know now and what you know yeah. then it's this yeah. is the thing if you knew now what you knew then obviously oh, you know i think a lot of people are in that situation mm -hmm. so when you first started so when that when, when the surgeon obviously sent it down to the astrazeneca when the when the death certificate came and all that was it was it on there or did you have difficulty yeah. getting classified? i still have the interim death certificate because the full inquest isn't until august right. so some other issues that need to be looked at um in regards to how he's treated but um yes yeah, it's, it's got the astrazeneca on there Okay, so when you when you were when you tried to reach out to the press, so you obviously tried to reach the press pretty much straight away after, obviously once you're in the state yeah. to do that sort of thing. A few weeks, I sort of became aware they were going to give the vaccine to eighteen year olds. Yeah. yeah, right. So who did you reach out to first? Can you remember? I can't remember much from them, to be honest. Um, I was getting by about half an hour's sleep a day, and I was on yeah. a lot of diazepam. Um, so it's very much a blur. And I honestly thought I was going crazy for a while. Um, who was it? For? Who did I it well, okay, let me let me rephrase it like this because obviously I, I fully appreciate I'm asking you to remember details in a time where there's there's loads of stuff you don't really want to remember. Um, who was the first person that seemed to show sympathy or compassion to what you were trying to do? Would be the best one, I think. Again, I can't remember. I know I spoke to ITV. Yeah, I, know I spoke to BBC. Yeah, and um, a few other places. But the thing what annoyed me was it all went out local. Local broadcast. I'm thinking this is not local news. This is surely national news because it's not like they're only giving this injection out here. They're giving it out across the planet, not mm. just in Cumbria. <laughs> yeah. So I found that, I found that strange, and that was my first sort of indication that they really didn't want to talk about anything negative to do with the vaccine. So I've since found out Ofcom comes down hard on anyone who says anything which isn't just the vaccines are magical and amazing and completely safe. Yeah, I found something out as well the other the other week is that. Ofcom only applies to stuff that's obviously uh, televised in Britain. So BBC World News and all that kind of stuff, they're not regulated by Ofcom. Oh, I need to talk to them. So, Thank you for that. So with these stories, you, you mentioned obviously that you're heavily edited as well. So these stories that you did, were, were they um, newspaper articles or, or were they actual sort of live oh, interviews? On the, on live the interview, newspaper, online, few right. radio. And obviously, none of us have really heard anything about that. The first we've heard of of, of your situation is is because you were the first person um, awarded something. That has actually got more attention. Um, I think because the government's added legitimacy to it. Yeah, so, not, yeah, they've rubber stamped it, haven't they? Yeah, I think that was always going to be the case mm -hmm. because um, because now that it's going to hopefully set set the you know the standard and the benchmark for other people. Okay, so. Your whole journey from from then until now has obviously been a bit up in the air and everything else. T tell me a little bit about um, now. Forget the is it V V B V B U K? Yeah, sorry, can't read my own bloody writing there. <laughs> tell me a little bit. Tell me a little bit more about that, please. And and then what what what's obviously wanted you made you sort of spark that up. Okay, so after I did um, media last year, I got a few people reach out to me and say, "Have you heard about?" Sarah Moore at Hosfeld and directed me to her and I got in touch and Sarah Moore and Hosfeld are representing 95 families who are made up of people who've been bereaved or injured by the vaccine these are all specifically AstraZeneca vaccines um they're all confirmed we've all got death certificates or doctor's reports which say this is without doubt as a result of the vaccine now um she uh is supporting us in many ways um, and especially going through the VTPS claim process. Um, and as time went on, uh, she suggested that we form our own campaign group, which she would back and give us legal advice and support on that. So myself and uh, seven other women, or is it six other women, six or seven other women, um, we are the steering group, which means that we discuss every day, we talk nonstop, um, 
about how we can raise awareness about what we should do. And we created Vib UK, so Vaccine Injured and Bereaved UK, as a platform to base it all from. And people can sign up to it and get updates. And then we will keep them informed of any progress, like now the payments have started being made. We will give them information on where to go for bereavement counselling, uh, medical support, um, emotional support, mental support, um, what you know, how to get uh, your cheap prescriptions because um, you know a lot of people are on a lot of medication and it costs a lot of money what benefits you can apply for what law firms to contact if you need to have a negligence case just that kind of support and you know, how to contact your MP so um, that's what we're doing and we're going to keep everyone updated as we proceed and we're also doing our best to get a lot of media attention we know the PR company is helping us as well uh, Black Letter Communications so um, it's it's when we started it we kind of had to rush it out um, mm -hmm. Because we were putting it all together, and then GB News picked up on a story. Um, I think it was I tweeted them because I had tweeted an, an interview in the Independent I had done, a one year on interview, and Twitter had deemed it false information, and God. yeah, <laughs> and given me a ban. <laughs> it's the Independent, you know. It's commonly known for printing loads of rubbish. The Independent, I mean. Yeah, it's like 14 times or something, isn't it? <laughs> so um, GB News picked up on that and started, and they, they spoke to me that very day. And every single day since then, I think they have spoken to someone who's been injured or bereaved by the vaccines. They've really been pushing our campaign. And um, so when we saw we we're going to be on GB News and we saw the reaction that got, we thought, oh dear, we better get our website up and running because this is, this is getting a lot of attention. And it really massively pushed us forward and got us more attention put us in the public eye obviously not all of it good um there are still people who think that we're lying and have made it up even like with the government acknowledging it and awarding mm. these payments there are still people who think that it's not right that we're lying and it's the vaccine's completely safe and there's other things that have caused these illnesses i mean i think the clue with what killed z is the fact it's vaccine induced immune thrombotic thrombocytopenia Hmm. And the clue's kind of in the name. So, but even so, apparently the doctors are making it up. Well, I know when I, speak, when I spoke to Alex, he, he was, I don't wonder if this is a common thing, but his, the person dealt with his surgery as well said straight off the bat, it was down to the AstraZeneca. Mm. And there was no one at the beginning of the journey that denied it. And he met mm. no resistance or anything mm. else. And it kind of signed off on that. I know there's another gentleman, John, that I want to get on, who's, who's a friend of Alex. He's had a very different story. Mm. Um, very different journey as well, both up in Scotland. Um, I mean, it's great, it's great that it's getting the public, the, you know, the attention that it, that it needs. It just seems a little bit, it is very much too little too late, isn't it? Mm. I think. Oh, God, yeah. There are literally, there are people who are on the verge of losing their homes because they, you know, lost the main breadwinner or they can't, can't work and their mortgages, you know, they haven't been able to keep up their mortgages. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it shouldn't be this stressful and difficult on top of everything else we've had to go through. Because all the people fighting for help are all widowed or injured. You know, there's not, these are not perfectly healthy, mentally sound people. We're all on a freaking knife edge. <laughs> and, and this is the thing is, is and, and this is what annoys me the most is the people, the, the people that have had the injuries have been the people that have done what they've done out of the mm -hmm. goodwill of themselves, mm -hmm. because the government said to them, mm -hmm. you know, you need to do what's right for the, for the good of the people and the greater mm -hmm. good and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I feel I feel really not sorry for you guys. Obviously, I feel sorry for you guys, but I feel angry for you guys as well because, mm. you know, as I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I, I just, I, I mean, there's it, as soon as the floodgates are going to open, which they are, and this is what I think they're attributing to long COVID now as well. I don't think yeah. it's long COVID. I think it's vaccine-induced no. sort of stuff. Well, I know someone who has not been vaccinated. Well, no, sorry, she got vaccinated. That's one, <laughs> and um suffered a bit and never had covid been told she's got long covid i mean i don't even know what they're using to categorize that i have moment. no idea i don't know where they get off with that one i really don't so going forward with everything else when you when it was when we put in the case together and, and and everything else for the for, so talk us through the process if you don't mind just so that obviously people can appreciate pardon my French, how shit it's been for you with obviously the bereavement and everything else going forward. So what's the procedure like? We're trying to get, get some money out of them, basically. Okay, so you have to search for the web. They have actually updated the website since because 
I'd never heard of a vaccine damage payment scheme before. And the website was like really basically like 1995. <laughs> you have to download the form and print off the form and post it in because it is 1995. <laughs> Standard. Yep. I included a synopsis of all events. So I wrote everything down within days of it happening with my mum. We just went through. So we'd have a series of all the events. So I wouldn't, we knew I was, my memory was screwed. So we had to get it down as it happened or as very, very quickly. So I had a full record of everything in case I asked. And also for the coroners as well. Um, so I sent them that. Um, and I sent them a copy of the interim death certificate. And then I got a letter saying they'd received it. And it would take some time to process um, because these are novel vaccines and causation hasn't been proven. And it was very clear. And we have to prove 60% disability and that the vaccine was the cause. And even at the start as well, the, the form made it sound like they only help if you were disabled. There was nothing about definite. So no. I wasn't even sure if I would qualify for any support from them. Because obviously the government is very annoying. And despite the fact means he were due to be married and only delayed it because of COVID and we've been together over 20, like 21 years, I, I'm not eligible for any sort of like married couples allowance or anything, you know, from that angle, which is another kick in the teeth. I was like, I, accept, I, I can show you the booking at the registry office. You know, we've given notice. We were going to get married over a year ago and we couldn't because of COVID, but so, yes, yeah, bureaucracy, man. It's shit. Um, <laughs> and so I sent them all that documentation. And after a while, I emailed them to ask for an update. I got told, new vaccines, going to take a while. And there's a brilliant video. I've tweeted it where I, I was ringing them. I called them for an update. And it rang and rang and rang. <laughs> And um, the helpline. Wait a second. Scully. Scully. Um, wait, 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 wait. Was that Scully? Is in Mulder and Scully? Yeah. She's a uh, little terrier. Z got me for my 30th birthday. <laughs> okay. Birthday. Smooth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I want a puppy. <laughs> um, yeah. And I've, I've since adopted three more dogs. Now I have four. <laughs> right. Wow. It's like, you know, it's like ah! and obviously you've seen the kittens running around. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'll explain them. <laughs> They're all rescues and fostering the kittens. They, they've all got homes to go to, but I'm just fostering right. them. Right, I'm going off track. Uh, so where was I? Yeah, so I tried to call them on their helpline. It rang and it went to answer the machine. And I was told to leave a message. But then I couldn't leave a message because the uh, inbox was full. This happened multiple times. And after a while, I got so fed up, I just lived, um, Facebook lived it. And just me ringing them. And getting the answer machine and hanging up and ringing them again and getting the answer machine and obviously can't leave a message and hanging up like 20 times in a row. And someone suggested I do it from a withheld number. So that's a good idea. So I tried calling from a withheld number and uh, actually got answered. Wow. <laughs> After about 20 minutes. So yeah. And, um, and the person who answered the phone, I think his name was Ryan. And all I wanted to know from him was... I can't remember one of the things. There were two things I wanted to know. One was, if you've got a death certificate, you know, and the coroner has confirmed the death was caused by the AstraZeneca vaccine, why is it taking so long to process this? Because surely you're not going to contradict what the coroner has said. He couldn't give me an answer. And um, I can't remember what the other thing I asked was. But something else they should have known the answer to because it's their bloody job. Uh, but he had no answer for me again. Said he'd pass it on to a manager. And um, I'm sure you know that the um, VDPS was uh, part of the tender and um, is now uh, taken over by the NHS BSA. And they've got uh, outside companies doing the assessments and stuff. But that took a long time because the tender actually failed the first time. <laughs> so, <laughs> I actually applied for it, but I didn't get it. Sorry. I just award everyone money. I was going to say, you've be awarded everybody money. Like, yeah, straight off the I'm going to increase the amount. A million pounds for you. A million pounds. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been why. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, 
so he didn't have any answers for me and it, it's quite embarrassing and i did tell him i was recording a conversation like you know and people watching were like oh my god seriously this is this is unbelievable and uh i then when they finally sent all these medical records off um which i had to get permission for me for a second time because i'd waited so long and the permission had um run out they i asked them for a copy and everything they sent off in the report to the assessors and I was told I'd need a SAR for that and I kind of lost my shit a little bit because you need the person's approval to get a SAR I was like that's gonna be a little bit difficult yeah. so, <laughs> so the, my, my poor caseworker she was doing the best she can and it's not her fault she works for a, an organization which is so out of date and crap and I'm sure pays terrible and all that kind of thing mm. and she has to deal with like angry and upset people all the time so i do i do feel for her and i did apologize to her because i was kind of getting really angry um but she she got it all together for me and they sent me um my uh, all the documentation um which i have for these medical reports and all my communication they'd had with me and all the internal memos um now the internal memos were actually really telling because they were concerns at the beginning that i would talk to the media about how slow the process was um they were right um and they also because i kept asking the same questions over and over again about causation oh that was the other thing i asked ryan um what authority do they look for to to um decide causation because uh, i i gave them a load of links to a load of like um peer-reviewed medical papers which said you know, vaccine-induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia is, is, is it's been caused. There's a link between that and mm. the AstraZeneca. You know, I sent them, and I kept asking them, like, BMJ has said this, you know, this has said this. What, what, what is your authority that you look to to get to agree causation? So that was the other thing. So I kept emailing them and asking them this all the time. And and they were, like, so this, one of my favourite memos was going backwards and forwards. Like, she's asked this. Do I tell her this? And it was basically in the green book about... um vaccine-induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia and they said do we tell her this because i think she'll latch onto it and wonder why it's taking so long <laughs> that's literally that was said in the internal memos so there was a clear um i don't know what the word is i'm looking for but clear evidence that they were basically trying to keep us pacified and well i don't know got money together because they knew you know for months that this disease case was cut and dry there was causation. Obviously, he met the sixty percent disability, but um, yeah, they were just finding ways to not answer our questions because it would give us something to latch onto, to you know, then be angry about and argue about. So yeah, um, there was just like deliberate ways of avoiding answering my questions, and do I give her this information or not? And it's just crazy. It seems like. They wanted to keep it under wraps, didn't they, to, to mm. not promote any more vaccine hesitancy. Whereas now they've had two years of rolling out the jab now, won't they? So they're not really bothered. So it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, we've, mm. I've always thought that their job potentially was just to get as many. They had a, a number of uh, amount of jabs they needed to get into people. That was it. Once they'd done that, that was it. Their jobs were done. Mm. Um, anything else was a bonus. I think that's why they've not been going after us who haven't had it as much, because what's the point? Why not go after I'm, I'm just fuming at what that's what the NHS, you know, how to like get the jab or lose your job, and then like I don't worry about it. Mm, it's like well, just yeah. everyone into doing it, and then it's too late. Once you've had it, it's too late. And what oh, it's just so infuriating. It really is. All of it is just so before this all happened, I take it you had no 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 dealings with the medical world at all, like you say, no dealings with politicians, MPs, obviously no. banned. So life was very, very different for you than it is now. I can mm. imagine. Um yeah. I know so, far more than I want to now. Well, this is it. You could, so this is the problem that I'll keep saying to everybody. Knowledge is power in a sense that if you know the knowledge, then you can't be manipulated, you can't be fear-mongered because you know the facts. Um, mm. so it doesn't doesn't wash. And I think if everybody knew, like like we said earlier, now what they knew then, I don't think half as many people would have, no. would have done what they've done. Um, you're still going to get a few people that are going to do it, obviously. But, okay, so, so, you, so you submit the documents and everything else. And then, because mm -hmm. the same thing happened with Alex, I think they took ages of kicking a can mm -hmm. down the road and kicking the can down the road. Um, and it's interesting that you say that they're worried about you going to the media. So it, it, it seems like they were trying to just control the fire, really, for a bit, weren't they, yeah. until it got to the point. 
So what what happened after that? So so obviously we're we're, we're like six months down the line now, aren't we? From, mm. from well, nearly twelve. So what happened after you? So you're chasing them for details and everything else, and then mm -hmm. continue on and tell me what happened. Uh, um, let's see. So in March, we they finally sorted out the tender thing, and they started requesting medical records. So nearly a year on. So the government wasn't even dealing with it directly then. Sorry to interrupt. The government wasn't even dealing with it directly then. They passed it on to uh, medical assessments. There's two companies. Crawford's, I think, is one of them. And the other one is the company which assesses um, disablement for the DWP. Right. Which is multiple companies. Mm. Mm. I can't, it's one of them. I can't remember which one. And we, then, this is just a mark of how suspicious we are of this government. But our lawyers checked out Crawford's to make sure they were a legitimate, experienced company and not one of Boris's cronies had set it up to, like, yeah, I'll take that contract. Because mm. this is the world we live in now. Well, so, so obviously being exposed. So, okay. So once you got the, did you, did the um, organization that you've started now help finish off the, the application and everything oh, else? I think so. I, um, I think that the pressure that we've, put and the media we've been garnering has really made a big difference um because i we know that they have sent off 10 applications initially to be processed right and so that's 10 sorry 20 10 10 disablement i think and 10 bereavement right and that's out of 1300 claims they've currently got and i know a number of people i was the first so yay me <laughs> squeaky wheel <laughs> um we the number of people who I have heard who've had their claims processed and approved, considering there's 1,300 claims, there's like seven, which are people that I know or are directly involved with Vib UK. So it kind of seems like they're just like, shut these people up. Mm. <laughs> which is, for them, I'm sorry, BDPS, you've just given us more fuel. Well, this is it. I mean, I remember you... I think one of the so I wanted to touch on this. So it's interesting that you say that Vib UK was was formed by predominantly girls because NHS 100K is as well, which I didn't mm -hmm. realize until I started reaching out to them. Wait, um, you're not a girl. No, 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 I'm not a girl. I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm a man. I didn't want to. Okay, proud man. Okay, my gender doesn't define me. I define okay. me. Okay, so yes. that, but um, what I found interesting was was when with speaking to them initially because we bumped into each other through I was doing stuff with with the together declaration people and we went our separate ways and then I bumped into the NHS crew but there's only about four or five girls who do it kind of all the time and it's interesting that there's girls doing the Vib UK as well where's all the men at this is what really grieves me where are all the men at all these big men that reckon they're hard uh and, and they're just nowhere nowhere to be found Alex to be fair I mean, he's not part of the steering crew but he's a bloody force to be reckoned with <laughs> oh yeah and this yeah. is it so so i'm glad that there are some men but it's, i just thought it was interesting now these the two organizations are predominantly spearheaded by women's lionesses man lionesses you, you, i think that... so we when we when we feel threatened and we have to protect those we feel are vulnerable we we get a little bit angry well i see i was having a chat with uh, another doctor ages ago uh the, the, the first interview alia jazz lovely guy but he's a forensic psychiatrist and he was saying it's interesting now because everything they've done over the last couple of years is was it like a test to see how we'd respond to mm, it? So yeah, know that, it was like, yeah. Yeah. And they know that they can get away with quite a lot of stuff before anyone actually really does anything. And when we do do stuff, we just go to London and, and have a walk. That's it. Not that I'm saying there's anything against protesting at all, no. but it, it, they know that it's a necessary evil. It's like a pressure cooker to keep, like you say, just to keep us happy enough that we don't make enough noise. And it's trying you know? to, withdraw our rights to do that as well so well yeah that's a, that's a story that's a story for another day I, I can't i can't keep up with all the stuff i want to talk about mm. with these with these podcasts and i desperately try and keep it um as factual as i can but mm. one day i want to sit here with a big tin foil hat on and just be talking about all the stuff that we want to talk about however oh, I, I know, speak, I, know. <laughs> I did speak to a professor of uh the other day uh norman fenton uh isn't like a risk uh professor in risk mm -hmm. And he had some dealings with the data from from um, from COVID at the beginning. And, and when I asked him and said to him, you know, look, why do you think this is all happening? And he's like straight away, WEF, mate, World Economic Forum. Uh, and then he said, yeah, I, can't, I can't believe more people can't see it because the liter literature is all out in the domain. So was, it was quite refreshing, but it only just recently come to that conclusion because mm -hmm. he didn't know who they were at first. So it's interesting 
So obviously, now that you fell down this rabbit hole, okay, mm -hmm. you will have been exposed to loads of other stuff, which we won't mm -hmm. go into too much because we, yeah. we, we don't want to scare people too much. But mm -hmm. so, were you exposed to any dodgy shenanigans whilst what, what on your journey going on? Was there any data that you you found out that was once the laws got involved in everything else? Any dodgy dealings? Loads. Right, you spill the beans. Can you spill um, the beans? You don't need to name. Well, yeah, I can tell you stuff. Um, my favourite one is when I did the freedom of information request for um to ask what would um make the indemnity the government of grind AstraZeneca null and void, and eventually I got an answer, and um it's along the lines of we do hold this information, but we can't tell you. Because uh, we, it's commercially sensitive, and it would affect the commercial interests of the government and the vaccine companies. So was basically, that your, was that your freedom? Yeah. That, no, right. I remember seeing that. So how long yeah. have you done it recently? It was only a month or so ago. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that bouncing about. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's basically, yeah. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. He used to be on LBC. Uh, does the? Uh, he's got another podcast. I've forgotten his name. I'll remember in a minute. But he he shared it and it really got a lot of pickup. Um it was basically what they were saying was, yeah, we know things about this vaccine that if we told the public, they wouldn't take it. And we're aware that uh transparency from the government is a good thing. But in this case, if we told you the truth, then it would affect our money. So right. and that's literally what it says. And it's just like that is unfucking believable. They know they knew things which would stop people having these vaccines, and they just decided to withhold it. How is that right? So, from from, okay. Any more? Any more dodgy dirt? Uh, yeah. Uh, both BlackRock and Vanguard, uh, massive international holding companies, are majority shareholders in pretty much all mainstream media and all big pharma companies. Coincidence that the media is not talking about the bad things going on with the farm companies. And I couldn't believe that when I first heard it. And I went and Googled, like, and it's true. It's, you know, you can call it like Financial Times information. And it's true. You can see these companies own freaking everything. So they control everything. Uh, I spoke to Ofcom to confirm, because um, I was getting really hacked off with how the mainstream media just refused to talk about vaccine damages without saying immediately after the vaccines are completely safe and everyone should get a vaccine. They're hundred percent effective. I'm like, they're not. <laughs> they're not. Yeah. They might be like, you know, they might help some people, but they are in no way completely safe and no way hundred percent effective. Um, so I spoke to Ofcom to ask them what their guidelines were. And they said, yeah, okay. And they pointed me in the direction. I haven't looked yet to be honest, but they did give me the links to, you know the controls they have over what can be said in the media but as, as you said it's interesting so bbc worldwide service is not covered by ofcom that's good to know um what else oh god there's gonna be loads of things there's some things i can't say um because they are uh could affect some stuff that's going on um i wanted to yeah okay i was going to ask you that because I, I know that there's there's cases there's there's not not cases. I know that there's um, justice reviews and there's all sorts of stuff going on everywhere at the minute. Uh, some we I don't know whether are true. Some are, some I do. But can you say anything about what they're going towards? If you know what I mean. They're going towards. Yeah. So what 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 the case is? So what they're trying to prove or what they're trying to steer towards? If that makes sense. Um, short version. They knew about what was going to happen. They knew they knew what the side effects were. And they didn't disclose it. I mean, they've actually known since like 1999 that the these types of vaccines, the vector um, spike protein thing, if it enters the bloodstream uh, too fast, I'm sure you know about the whole aspiration thing. Yeah, they've known about that since 1999, and yet they said there's no need to aspirate. So this has been a bit of bone of contention of mine because in England, when I was taught to do injections, especially intramuscular, it's intramuscular, mm. that's been the muscle. Yeah, right. you, yeah. you aspirate to make sure you're in the muscle, otherwise, yeah. otherwise yeah. you're in the vein, so it's not intramuscular. And mm. a lot of the tests um, are done intramuscular, not injecting it straight into your vein, which will then go mm. straight into your cardiovascular system, which goes around mm. your body. So, um, yeah, because I know in America they're not, or there was a big debate about it, but we're always taught to aspirate, although, mm. you know, but this is the problem when you, when you get other people to do it who don't, don't normally do it on a daily basis. 
So have you experienced, so obviously it, it became quite apparent at the beginning that, that there was a problem with the AstraZeneca, I think purely because of the amount of side effects they were trying to cover up. Mm. Um, have you seen the same sort of problem with, with the other, other manufacturers as well? Yeah, obviously, you know, about the Pfizer data dump. Mm -hmm. um, I, mean, I don't know as much about that because I'm overwhelmed with the AstraZeneca and that's what our group works with. But yeah, I, you know, obviously the myocarditis stuff is just, and um, even with the AstraZeneca and non-fatal issues, I mean, the amount of people I know who were perfectly healthy and now have cancer, heart issues, my mum had shingles. Uh, her other half had tinnitus. Tinnitus, sorry. Um, and that's just that's in my family. Yeah, you know? it's different when you start seeing it. And then this is something we've we've said before: is when it gets in your back garden, and you're in, in your living room, in your front room. You know, mm. that's that's when it gets. But you're awake to to that though. Lots mm. of people are not putting two and two together. That's it the took problem. a long time for my family as well to acknowledge that these things they were experiencing were probably from the vaccines. Mm. you know yeah, even well, yeah. happened to see you know they started to realize well actually maybe yeah, yeah i mean do you think your experience obviously some kind of encouraged not supported that decision obviously because you know you, you, not everybody's going to be have been put in the situation that you've been put in so your, your immediate family gonna probably take that a little bit more seriously than if it was just mm. some random person telling them mm. yeah definitely so um where we wait wait so with with vib uk and everything else it's solely exclusively astrazeneca people then injuries yeah we're giving out the information we're providing um, i'm sure is useful for anyone who's experienced any sort of uh, injury or bereavement from any vaccine right but, um, our, our area of most experience and knowledge is astrazeneca but right. obviously if we can proceed with getting the vps reformed it's going to cover all the vaccines, not just the AstraZeneca vaccine. So it will help everyone who's been injured or bereaved, hopefully in the end. Good. Oh, it's, it's, it, you, you know, out of all this shit, right, mm -hmm. and I don't mean to swear, it's good that no, there are still groups of people coming together, albeit shit circumstances, mm -hmm. still coming together to try and do good, despite all the shit that's going on in the world at the minute. And I, I like people to try and remember that there are still good people out there doing good stuff for no other reason they wanted to do good things. Reminded someone earlier today, I apologise if I'm repeating myself, but there was someone who was um, commenting about the um, injured and bereaved people. Um, I said, don't forget about people who've died from COVID. And I said, well, of course not. Um, the people who've been injured and bereaved, they did it because they wanted to stop people dying from COVID. The average age is 47. They weren't worried about dying themselves. They were worried about other people, vulnerable people dying from COVID, which is why they got the vaccine. Uh, people don't think that because as we said you know they're just trying to divide and conquer you know just set everyone against everyone else vaxxed against non-vaxxed and it's mm. so annoying it's just so unnecessary and if we all just sat down together and we're like oh right okay well rather than defending our positions so vehemently we could actually just sit down and have an open discussion and say okay so you got vaccinated four times you still got covid you didn't get vaccinated you got covid you're both still alive you know someone who died from covid it's very sad. They were 87. Still very sad. Died with COVID rather than of COVID. You know, someone who was left, you know, permanently disabled because of a vaccine and they were 36. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's shit everywhere. But it doesn't, it's not a competition. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're going to be having a lot. I think you guys are going to be paving the way for, for, for a lot of people. That's, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on and talk about um the UK and, and what you're doing so the lawyers that are involved in it and everything else so they are they um are they doing it voluntarily are they yes are they are. It? Yeah. amazing yeah right yeah it's Hosfeld and uh Peter Todd Hosfeld Good. Sarah Moore from Hosfeld is our main point of contact and Peter Moore is working with us as well and he's got experience with um this sort of medical product liability did they approach you then when all this was going on or did you, uh, did you... i sarah started at hosford they um started something which i was then directed to right, um, okay. and then obviously it all sort of evolved from that and um i can't remember how i got in touch with peter todd but but he used to work with um 
some other lawyers that I'm working with as well. So it's all linked up. And I'm also, oh, I should actually add, now they've started making the payments for anyone who is in receipt of one of these payments. Um, if you're injured, it's worth looking into a personal injury trust because once you get the payment, if you do have any means-tested benefits, they will stop them because you now have money. Um, but the way to avoid this is to create a personal injury trust, which ring fences that money so you can still claim your benefits because I don't think it's right that you oh, should, nice. you know, if you have any benefits to help you, you know, <laughs> you shouldn't have to live off of the money that you've been compensated by. But there's a law firm called VW, VWV. I had a long chat with them the other day and um, they are very happy to put out information and set up a Zoom to have a talk with anyone who's been injured about setting up a personal injury trust. Um, annoyingly, it doesn't cover me because I'm not counted as injured. Um, but other people be it's you know it's important stuff now stuff like that is that what we're trying to sort of pass out through vib uk yeah, just that helpful information there's words it's more than helpful information i think it's going to be you know i think it was it was such a taboo subject like you said buyers everyone was filled with buyers regret everyone was filled with you know even now people like you say we, we can't sit down and have the adult conversations and mm. ask the right questions and just go look look let's just hypothetically to pretend for a second in your little mm. world that it, this mm. is happening and then look at the data but until we get to that point, that that's where, where we're going to struggle. But organisations like what you guys are doing and the campaign that you're doing at the moment, um, I think is going to spearhead and, and, and do this sort of stuff really, really well. <sighs> Such good power to the people, man. I love it. Yes. So, <laughs> my mum um, thinks I'm going to be prime minister now. <laughs> well, do you know what, though? Right, I, kind of, I had a little chat with my neighbour the other day, which recently I found out he's actually quite quite um, aware of what's going on. And he mm -hmm. works on the, um, on the railways. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was obviously kicking off because they're, they're about to strike yeah. um, because of this and that and the other. But what he was kicking off more is about the fact that when 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 he says things to them, everyone's just saying, you know, well, what can I do about it? What can I do about it? What can I do about it? And he's like, well, I said to him, well, to ask them what would they like to do about it? You know, what would they want to do about it? And then think about how they can do that instead of thinking, well, what can we do? And thinking, right, we can't do nothing. So we, you can do loads of stuff. Yeah. So it's getting people in that mindset of being able to actually, you know, blame the government and do something about it instead of blaming each other. But mm. so um, I'm conscious of your time anyway and everything. And we're all busy. So um, going forward, can you can you say what the plan is? So the, the, the campaign, because you sent me this stuff and I, I remember retweeting it for you for you. I think it was last week because um, I wanted to get you on sooner. And I've been flat out busy because I just do this in my house yeah. while being a dad and a husband. So um you sent me the stuff and I retweeted it. It got really good information, um, really good feedback and coverage, which is great. So, can you tell us about the campaign that, that's, that's starting, uh, and then you know where you want to go forward with everything else? Well, what we want right now is for the vaccine damage payment scheme to be updated or completely redone as a bespoke scheme for the um, COVID nineteen vaccines. So, we want the amount brought up to. Uh, match or at least be a much larger amount and um, what we could get with litigation and like i said it hasn't even gone up with inflation for 15 years and i'm pretty sure that inflation's you know a little bit more than it was 15 years ago <laughs> just just a tad yeah yeah because mm. obviously like 120 grand these days buy three cans of bean and um, a couple of liters of petrol mm. so um we want that. And the other thing we really want is for the um the scale, the dis how they measure the disability to be really looked at because that's really screwed up. I think it's absolutely disgusting that someone could be 100% healthy, get a vaccine, and then be 59% disabled and be told, no, you can't have anything. And that's just how. Yeah. Oh, how? How? I just, it just does my head in. So um, we're a long way from stopping fighting. And myself and the other girls, we cross girls, <laughs> women. <laughs> yeah, I love women. We're all very determined that we're going to make sure that every single person who's been injured by these vaccines is going to get looked after properly. Because it's you know we all did it because we believed it was the right thing to do, and it's not like we weren't put under massive amounts of pressure. You know, we were coerced into it, and. It's not like, you know, we just went to the shop and said, oh, I fancy having a COVID vaccine and just randomly got it. You know, there was all this pressure and it's very unfair that there is no responsibility for this pressure. Also kind of pisses me off that the um, the manufacturers of all these drugs are getting the profits and the taxpayers have to pay for the damages. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, right. Follow the money. Mm-hmm. I mean, if everybody knew, I mean, I, I've, I've, so I've not been looking into this stuff for very long. I, I, since pretty much this whole pandemic started is when I sort of fell into these rabbit holes and things. And and I've learned more in the last couple of years in both my degrees I had to do to work in the field that I work mm-hmm. in now with medicine. So it's been interesting. But the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, if people knew not so much behind the scenes, but the stuff that's readily available for you to read, mm-hmm the conflicts of interest and everything else, people will be shocked. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. So the campaign, the campaign that you're doing at the minute, what was, what, I, I always get the hashtag, I'm really bad with names and hashtags and things, all right, so please don't take it the wrong, but was it, is it hashtag, can we talk about this? Uh, that's not specifically to Vib UK, I think that's started in America. Right, okay, beg your pardon then, there no, you go. But it's good, it's worth getting attention. Everything yeah, well, I thought it was attached to that, my bad, that's my bad, all right. So, okay, then. So now that I need to redeem myself, because I've obviously given out some inaccurate information there, um, tell people where they can find you um, for VibUK and everything else, please. We are at VibUK1, V-I-B-U-K-1 on Twitter. The number one, not the word one. And we are VibUK.co.uk. And you can sign up. You have to make sure you tick the box to get notifications uh, on our website. And um, on there, we are, go- we are putting together a fact sheet for all the help that you can get and um, advice for how to proceed with making claims and um, what you can do to if you need to get litigation, like for, um, medical negligence or anything like that, and um, all the benefits that you can claim. And we will also be sending out updates as and when we get more information uh, towards improving the uh, VDPS or any sort of other actions which can um, help the injured and bereaved very good of you so what do you see yourself doing in the immediate future just concentrating on this yeah no yeah. i don't have the headspace to do other things i've been trying to learn to drive but um seems every time i book a test uh something happens the day before or two days before and i get like like, like gb news kicked off like you know mm. the reaction to that and obviously um i'm meant to have a test soon but the last few days have just been non-stop with the media um because of the payment being agreed and and again i just like so um i don't know when i'm ever actually gonna manage to pass my driving test i'll do it one day it's just have you got a license i've got a provisional so you can you can get a little moped you know a little twist and go many dogs on a moped that's the problem yeah, well, it, depends, it depends which country you live in, you know what I mean? You can have like hanging off the sides and in your bag and all kinds of stuff, but yeah, you probably get pulled over for that. Um, well, listen, I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me today. I, I also appreciate that you, you, you're going to be probably getting asked the same question a thousand times, but please come back on in the future if there's anything you oh, want to discuss, absolutely. just to give us an update of how things are going. Um, I just like people to be able to come on in and feel like they've got a bit of a safe space to have a chin wag. So you've given us the details of where we can find you. You've given us the details of everything that you girls are doing, which is amazing. Uh, I think that's about it, really. If there's anything else you want to finish with? Uh, I think that's everything. Um, and just, yay, Viv UK, you girls are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they, they get are. They are. <laughs> What would be good is, is is if we could all come together, maybe all of us kind of organisations or, or yes. uh, campaign groups or stuff that we do can all come together to form the new parliament. Maybe that's oh, a good idea. perfect. There we go. I called it first, all right? I called it yeah. first, so we'll do it with that. Okay. But listen, thank you so much. I'll let you go. I appreciate you busy. Thank um, you so much for it. It was a lovely chat. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Be strong, which I know you are. And um, uh, I just, I can't. I don't want to be too emotional because I nearly did cry when you had a little cry, but I thought I'd, I'd try not to. But <laughs> yeah, that would have made it worse. <laughs> what? I don't know. I think it might have made it a bit more legit from the heart, maybe. You know, like come on. But I, I just, I've got an utmost respect. So nice. <laughs> got to show your feelings, all right? Men have feelings too. Um, I've just got a lot of utmost respect for what you've been through. Uh, I know it's not easy, and I know, unfortunately, the whole situation sometimes takes the, the, the light away from, from Z's death, unfortunately, as well. But you're doing a great thing, and I'm sure he'd be looking down on you now. Very, very proud of what you're doing. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. Don't be a stranger. Tweet me anything you need to tweet me, all right? And then I'll shout it out with the NHS 100K crew as well, because it's good to be partners in crime. Yes, it really is. And we, you know, you guys have done an excellent job in raising awareness. Everyone They've done a better job. They've done a better job. I've just jumped on halfway through and just right. started. <laughs>
they're doing so much behind the scenes. That's why I wanted to get on the podcast and get them on. Trying to get them on to try and organise a meeting because they all work still front line. Oh, man. It's taken about six weeks so far, but I want everyone to realise that it was just set up with these girls that, that work front line mm -hmm. on the ambulances and, you know, mm -hmm. same with, with a Vibuca. You know, it, these things mm -hmm. just become organic and people need to realise that, that, that it's people just getting together, which is how it should be. Um, but we just need to get awareness out there more. But we're getting there slowly, man. We've just got to yeah. chip away at it and you're doing a great thing with what you're doing. It's only going to get bigger. It's good for people to have a base where they can go to now where there's people that will show them support mm -hmm. and how to start the process and everything else. So it's a good thing. You know what I mean? It really is. Yeah. You should yeah. be proud. All of you girls should be proud of Thank what you've you. done and what you're doing. It's, it's really a bit of sweet because we have these little victories and then we all like, yay! And then we remember why we're doing it and we all kind of crash and cry. Yeah. yeah. And hit the wine. It, yeah, I, 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 I can't imagine. But yeah, I, that's a really good way of putting it, I suppose. It's mm -hmm. definitely 100%. But shit sandwich, isn't it? Is what they say. Exactly. The shit exactly. Sandwich. Very good. Well, you take care, Vicky. All right. Really appreciate Thank your time you. today. Thank you Thank so you. much. All right. Be good. Crack yourself. All right. Stay out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs>